I just want to take a moment here just to be quiet before the Lord. If you've been here for a while, you know I like to do this because I think that there's not enough silence in the world. Um, Lots of voices, but not enough silence. And um, I think it's Habakkuk 2 where it says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. It's It's the best response to the awe that is the all present all-powerful God. So let's just take a moment and let our hearts be stilled and quieted in his presence. In the God, what a gift, your presence. Released to us through Jesus and made manifest to us by the Holy Spirit. We praise you. Amen. Daniel 11.32 says, The people who know their God will display strength and take action. That's not my message this morning, and that's not my text this morning. It's coming in a few weeks. Daniel 11.32, The people who know their God will display strength and take action. And it just, that came to me again this morning. It just struck me that we have got to know God. You know, that if, if, if you don't know God, then your life is built on sand. If you don't know God, then the, your strength is limited by what's in your body or your hands. Now, I'm, I'm sure that it, it strikes me particularly today because I conducted a funeral yesterday for a husband of someone in the church. And um, because I speak a lot in churches to people who believe and some at least on their way towards belief, I think I can forget how many people don't know God. Just don't know God. Might recognize that there's something, someone out there, but don't have a relationship with God. Can't sit in the, around the people of God and recognize God's here. And take a deep breath and, and, and experience the reality of God with them. I just was looking out at these people at a funeral and I was talking about how believers grieve, but we grieve as those not as those in the world who are without hope. So I came in this morning just thinking, I just want to make sure everyone who walks in here today gets hope. And your hope is in Jesus. There's a lot of bad news out in the world. There's some bad news that's real news for us. God created us and every single one of us in some way has walked away from God. The Bible calls it sin. You can call it whatever you want. We have said no to our creator in some way, shape, or form. We walked away. And the, the beauty of God, the, the love of God, the sacrifice of God was to, from heaven, release his son Jesus to become fully man, still fully God, walk a perfect, obedient life, walk to the very end of that life and, and give it and let his blood be shed for people who, let's be honest, didn't give a rip about him, who didn't know, who couldn't see, who couldn't understand. And hanging on the cross, he said, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. That's some of the bad news. Here's the good news. That blood was shed for you and for me. That invitation to know God was, was made wide open 
by Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. So I wanted to communicate before we go into the the fun of Daniel and courage and living out in the world with a courageous presence. I wanted to communicate first, if you're going to go out into the world and display strength and take action, first you have to know God. You have to know God. And you can know God. If you recognize this morning that I am a person who knows of God, has thought of God, maybe you've been in church for 20, 50, 1,000 years, but you have never asked Jesus, Son of God, to come into your life, cleanse your sin, take the payment for your sin, and grant to you eternal life, which is to know him and the one who sent him. Then that's your invitation today. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of confession right now. And I just ask you, you bow your heads if you want. And we'll just pray. And if you have never asked Jesus to come into your life and to be the payment for your sin, if you want to know God but don't, then I'd ask you in your heart, heck, you can do it out loud if you want, utter this prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. I thank you that you made a way from death to life for me. Now, Jesus, I confess my sin. And I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. So that I can know God. Walk in his ways experience his love, display his joy, display strength, and take action. Amen. If this, just this morning, you you heard that prayer, it resonated with you, and you prayed, and you ask Jesus to come into your life this morning. I, I'm going to ask you to come talk to me right after the service. Um, we're doing a baptism next week. And a number of people uh, in both services will be baptized. They'll be identifying themselves with Jesus. And if you have uh, just come to know God just here in our midst, then I want to hear from you so we can help you walk out that relationship with God in Christ in the world. We need him out there, don't we? It's hard out there. Is it hard out there for anybody else? Cheapers. It takes courage to live with courageous presence out in the world. But first, we've got to know God. You know, before we go on mission and before we give our gifts out in the world and before we do the great things that God's called us to do, we start with this, the knowledge of God. I say to our staff all the time here. You know, because we we talk a lot about the gifts that God gives us and all the things God wants us to do. And I'm thrilled about all that. But I try to repeat over and over again. The thing that we bring to one another is our own soul before God. That's what we bring. Our biggest gift to one another in the world is our own soul before God. Not our amazing, uh, brilliant talents, not all of our excitement, but our own soul before God. All that stuff that we do out there comes from who we are. And who we are is built completely upon our own soul before God.
I just felt like I wanted to say that all. So, freebie for you this morning. Okay. I'm going to define courage this morning as doing the right thing no matter what and letting God be God. How do you feel about that? What are you going to say? I got the microphone, right? That's how I'm defining courage. As I read through the book of Daniel a couple of times and looking for the theme of courage, and we're not in one verse, we're in like eight today. Looking at the theme of courage, I, I, the definition that came to me is courage is this. It's doing the right thing no matter what and then letting God be God. And you see that all through the book of Daniel. You see a lot of courage, but we might find courage in some interesting spots this morning. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his pals, lived as a courageous presence in the midst of a foreign land. Some of you have heard the stories of Daniel, I mean, all your life. Your first, your first little book of pictures was Daniel in the lion's den. And some of you have never heard of the, the book of Daniel. And you would be hard-pressed right now, which is why I won't ask anyone, to find it in the Bible. I'm going to just give it to you as a gift. The book of Daniel is just filled with the goodness of God, courage, people who know their God, displaying strength and taking action. So in this week or these next couple of weeks, get, jump into the book of Daniel. If you're not in a transforming group, that's our language for a small group outside of this Sunday. There's a, a big list of groups, 13, Lori, 12, 13, 18, 1,000, something like that out there. Just jump into one of those. They're all across the city, talking more about what we've been talking about Sunday mornings. What did courage look like for Daniel and his faithful friends? And so, big shocker, I got three points, okay? And the first one is this. Courage for them looked like Daniel and his friends asking hard questions in faith and then letting God be God. Asking hard questions. We're not talking about questions to God. We've got lots of those, right? But courage for Daniel and his friends sometimes looked like them asking hard questions out there in public and then letting God be God. Daniel 1.8. These verses are not on the screen, but they're in your bulletin. You can um, see the references, and I urge you to go to the source. That's this, the Bible, this week, and read them for yourself. Daniel 1.8. You remember the, 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 the chief uh, in charge of the people for the king had, had given them the provision of all this wine and food. And we talked last week about Daniel making a resolution not to be defiled by that. Daniel 1.8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. And therefore he asked. We could just skip right over that. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. We skip over that and think, well, that's brilliant. Well, that was dangerous. That was real courage for Daniel to, to ask the chief of all these people, you know, under the, um, the authority of the king and said, hey, we want special privileges. Recognizing that if the deal doesn't work out and Daniel and his pals don't look good, guess what happens to the, to the chief dude for the king? He, he's done for. Like, there wasn't just like, uh, you know, try again. I mean, not like I would lead the staff. Hey, you didn't do so well. Next week it'll be better. You know, there's grace. Here's grace for King Nebuchadnezzar. Off with your head. So it was bold. I mean, there's a lot of courage for Daniel to say in this 
strange outlandish political system. Hey, I, can I have a special privilege? We're all about special privilege these days, right? Everybody wants special privilege. Not back then. Not in a foreign land for Daniel. He had resolved to remain holy, but he had to ask a question. He had to risk his own life. He had to risk the position of the overseer and not feel codependent and responsible. He risked the lives of his friends. You know, we think sometimes we want to go into our workplace. We don't want to make any waves. You know, I'll, I'll be really kind and everyone will know I'll, I'm a Christian and I won't ask for anything special. That's just not how Daniel did it. He was bold. He asked an unbelieving uh, overseer for a special privilege because of his own walk with God. I don't know what that looks like in your context, but I bet it it could be a little challenging. He knew the right thing. He had the courage to ask for what he needed. I I, uh, went to a class with Nancy Brush. Where's Nancy? I saw you. There's Nancy. One of the things Nancy taught me is that a part of growing up what, three years old, four years old, is the ability to ask for what you need. Maybe three or four years ago, I realized, darn, I'm still a three-year-old. Because <laughs> I still have trouble asking for what I need, right? For all the various reasons that we are afraid to ask. Daniel was not afraid to ask for what he needed and then let God be God, Right? You go through all the things in your mind, but I don't want them to think, and I don't throw it all away. Before the Lord, ask for what you need. Ask for what you want. Ask for what makes sense for your heartbeat before God. And then, I mean, do it with humility, but then let God be God. Is there any situation in your life right now where you know what you need to be right with God? In a workplace, in a family situation, in a relationship, in your school, wherever it is, You know what you need, and the the Holy Spirit's prompting you right now to ask for what you need with the trust that you'll then just let God be God. I think that uh, faithful, courageous presence in the world looks a little different than maybe we have imagined it looks like in our, sorry to say it, post-Christian culture that we're in. It might be a little more bold than you think. I think that we as a, well, I won't veer off too far, I promise. But I think we as a Christian subculture have maybe gone too far. I mean, we say we don't be, beat people over the head with the Bible. You know, we, we're not judgmental. We, of course, we, none of us want to be that, right? But have we gone so far that we forget to ask for what we need so we can walk faithfully as who we are in God? In this tolerant um, uh, union that we live in, let's take advantage of tolerance. And let's be faithful people out in the world. I mean, just take another step. Just humility. There's humility all through Daniel. But he wasn't afraid to ask for what he needed. And then let God be God. Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a bad dream. He's the king. He has a bad dream. This is a theme for him. Right? You think he'd get it like, man, I don't want to sleep. I always have these bad dreams. And he needs to know what the dream means. Daniel two fourteen to 19. 
Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. So what happens is uh, he, the king has a dream. No one can interpret it. He's really angry about no one being able to interpret the dream. And he's so mad at all the people who are supposed to be able to do this. He says, kill all the wise men. Well, this includes Daniel and his pals. I mean, that's bad news from a bad dream. He says, take them all out. And so Daniel realizes, uh, <laughs> my neck's on the line here because this guy had a bad dream and no one could interpret it. Daniel 2.14, then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who'd gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king. Daniel went in before the king. You don't do this. And requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. And they told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Daniel is in a big pickle. Everyone on his team, the rest pagans, him and his few pals, a few believers, are in a big pickle. And Daniel doesn't just say, let's hole up together as believers and ask God to have mercy on us. No, he with boldness goes to the king who's about to kill him. And he says, hey, could you just give me some time? He gets the time. He has the favor of the king. He doesn't know the dream yet, right? Let me just point that out. It's not like Daniel already had it, and he says, hold on, I'll take care of this, and he goes. No, he didn't know it yet. He goes to the king, asks for permission, and then he goes back to his people, and he basically says, we better pray like crazy, because I'm clueless here. But God knows. So courage for Daniel was asking in faith a request of the king and a request of the king of kings. And then letting God be God. And God was God, praise God. And God is God, praise God. And God revealed the dream to Daniel. And Daniel gives it to the king. And Daniel's lifted up in the sight of all people. And everyone saves their lives and their jobs. I would think at this point, Daniel would be like a star. You know, like, thanks, you saved our lives. In about two chapters, they want to kill him again. That's how it goes. Daniel 2.49 Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. Daniel didn't let it go at, can I have some time? Here's the dream. We all live. He went one step further. This guy never quits with his courage. He goes back and says, now that I've done this, not only thank you for not killing me, but I want my friends to be raised up in their jobs. Give all my friends a promotion. That's Who does that? I mean, that's, the British would call that cheeky, right? I mean, why? Because Daniel knew God. And he displayed strength, and he took action, and he wasn't afraid to ask questions, and then let God be God. The king could have said no, and Daniel said whatever. It was worth a try, right? Courage is doing the right thing no matter what, letting God be God. And sometimes that means asking hard questions in faith. 
and then just leaving the results to God. Secondly, Daniel's friends spoke in truth, and then they let God be God. So if you're following my points, number one, ask questions in faith and let God be God. Number two, speak the truth and then let God be God. Nebuchadnezzar, who's just, you know, had this dream revealed and everything's happy, has a great idea. I know. Let's build a statue and have everyone worship it. That makes perfect sense if you're an insecure king, I guess, right? So everyone has to worship on command or die. The depth of insecurity in this man, right? Because he's got to be reminded all the time, hey, you're for me, you're for me, right? I'm the best, I'm the best. Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are Daniel's pals, answered and said to the king, so he makes the statue, they blow the horns or play the music, and they're all supposed to bow down. They answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. He says, bow down or die, and they say, we don't have to even talk to you about this. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. We think it's courage for for Daniel's friends to walk into the fiery furnace. That didn't take anything. They had no choice. They were bound and tossed, right? It's like saying someone, you know, is courageous for jumping off the high dive when their friend kicked them. (laughs) There's no courage. It's just, ah! But Daniel's friends had the courage beforehand to speak the truth and then let God be God. Just think of all the things that Daniel's friends could have done. I mean, this is just what I imagine in our day, all right? Like, hey, okay, listen, we're going to bow down, but we're not going to actually worship, okay? God knows my heart, right? And I'm not, I'm not, just, just be honest, you know, how often do we compromise by saying, but God knows my heart? And I don't want to make anyone feel bad, and I can't help God if I'm dead, Right? And all the trails we go down. And Daniel's friends, they they just don't go down those trails because they've got to speak the truth. They basically say to the king, listen, pal, we don't have to answer you about this, but here's, here's what we'll give to you. We don't care what you say or what you do. We're not worshiping your gods, period. And our God will save us. And if he doesn't, fine. I mean, that's where they are because they've, they're willing to speak the truth. They know God. And so they're displaying strength in God, and they're taking action. They're speaking the truth out. In the face of temptation, they let God be God. In the face of fear, they let God be God. In the face of intimidation, they let God be God. In the face of enemies, they let God be God. Right after they say this to the king, you know, like basically we're not going to worship your idols, the king, it says, is enraged with fury. In the midst of anger and rage, they speak the truth and they let God be God. That's, that's an encouragement to someone here this morning. In the midst of rage that's coming at you and fury and fear and all the stuff that happens, the fight, the flight and all that stuff, they, were, they had the courage to speak the truth and then let God be God. 
God being God delivered them utterly and completely. It's a whole nother message I won't go into. But when they were taken from the fire, the scripture says their their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. There wasn't a hint of even the temptation, even the fire on them anymore. And in the midst of it, what happens in the midst of the fire? If you know the story, just shout it out. There's a fourth person. Yeah. Uh, Daniel uh, 3:21 to 25. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So hot, it killed the people who tossed them in. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery, burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men. Who saw four men? The king. The, the one who didn't believe. The one who had, who had given them the death sentence. The, the one in anger, the one in fury, the one enraged. He's the one who saw the four men. And he said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. And, and most Old Testament scholars would say, and I'd agree because why would I not? They're scholars. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar saw the pre-incarnate Jesus. He saw the glory of the Son of God in the midst of the fire. It doesn't actually say in the Bible, and I might be wrong but because this just came to me now, but it doesn't actually say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw the fourth man. Does it? I don't think it says that. The pagan king saw the fourth man. So I'm just you know, making this up as I go along. Let's work together here. When we have the courage... To speak the truth, no matter the cost, and then let God be God, God shows up. Not just for us. God reveals himself to the unbeliever. Right in the midst of the fire, God shows himself to the king who has just gotten done building an idol, right? Why? Because God wants to bring judgment upon the king? No, because God loves the king and wants to give the king a chance to repent. Two chapters, he'll get the chance. If we have the courage to speak the truth and then let God be God, God will reveal himself. Not just to us. I mean, Jesus was with them in the fire. They were unbound. They, could, they did come out safe. But God, too, will reveal himself to the people who are our enemies. What, what better thing could happen to your enemy than that God shows himself to them? Right? I mean, let's not get all excited about the heaping burning coals on their head. I know that verse too, right? How about the part where your enemy comes face to face with God and then comes and repents? That's a good one. I love that one. If we'll speak the truth and then let God be God. Courage is doing the right thing no matter what. Letting God be God. And sometimes that means speaking the truth when it's hard. And finally, 
Daniel and his friends acted in integrity, and then they let God be God. You probably know the story. This is the Daniel and the lion's den deal. Daniel is rising up. I don't know how many years are between Daniel 2 and Daniel 6, but he's an older guy. He's well-respected. Things are going well for him. Daniel's pals, not his faithful ones, but the people he works with are feeling jealous of Daniel. I mean, the guy can't do any wrong. <laughs> you know, he, he can't be killed. He, I mean, he's just the guy's amazing. He's like a superhero of integrity. And the only thing they can find to, to, make a, to make a problem for Daniel is in his walk with God. That would be a sweet thing if people said that of us. We could pray that. God, may the only thing they can find wrong with me is I love you too much. Daniel 6, starting in verse 4. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground or complaint for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. And then these men said, we shall not find any ground or complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king, we got a new king, Darius, all right? New enemy, same deal. Live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so it cannot be changed. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So there's this new law in the land. No one can pray to anyone but the king for 30 days. Anyone who does it, killed. Den of lions. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed... He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. What changed for Daniel when he heard the new law? Here's the point. Nothing. Like, again, we think to ourselves, well, this was a big stand, you know. Well, Daniel had cultivated a habit of being with God and integrity and faith. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Thank you, Artie. Nothing changed. He just went and did his normal deal. Daniel acted in integrity. Integrity means this. You're the same on the inside as you are on the outside. Or uh, your internal spirit can't be changed by your outward circumstances. The, The status of my soul before God, my peace, my security, my confidence, the love that I walk in and feel. None of that can be changed just because an outward circumstance changes around me. And that is so easy to say, right, and preach on a Sunday morning. We all go, amen. And then we walk into work or we walk back into our home or we, or we talk to the person next to us. And the circumstances come and they just want to beat up our insides. But Daniel, nothing changed. New rules didn't change his walk with God. New threats didn't change his walk with God. New enemies didn't change his walk with God. Daniel had a Psalm 27, 4, a one thing. 
David said, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I could just be in your temple, just gazing at your beauty. That was, that was David's one thing. That was Daniel's one thing. You know, three times a day, like clockwork, I'm going to pray. Because integrity means you live the same on the outside as you are on the inside. So Daniel gets busted. They toss him to the lions. We make, again, we make a big deal about the courage that Daniel had walking into the lions. <laughs> no courage required. He didn't have a choice. The courage was when he remembered who he was and then walked it out in spite of the whole world coming against him. That's where courage releases itself into the world. That's what it looks like for us to be a courageous presence in the world, to live in integrity, be who you are. I quoted um, somebody I forgot (laughs) a couple of weeks ago who said, it takes great courage to grow up and be who you are. It takes great courage to grow up and then be, live out, communicate, walk in who's God, who God has made you to be. Amelia is going to be... Hi. <laughs> Didn't mean to wake you up. <laughs> Amelia is going to be challenged. I know what happens at YWAM. Basically, here's what they do at YWAM. They take your insides. They throw them out in front of everyone. <laughs> you know, your spiritual insides, your emotional insides. They pick through them. They help you repent of all the bad stuff. They help you claim all the good stuff. Then when you know who you are in Jesus, they say, go out to the lions. <laughs> That's why, wham. That's why God's changed the, the world and nations through YWAMers. And Amelia's going to need that, right? When she gets in on that, I don't, maybe you should plug your ears. <laughs> when she gets to that team of people, and, and, you know, they're, they're sorting through all the emotional stuff and they're preparing and they're learning who they are in Jesus. And, you know, some of those people are, are your age and some of those people are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And they bring all that stuff in there. This thing's flying all over the place. It takes a lot for anyone. It'll take a lot for Amelia to stand up and remember who she is in Jesus and then walk it out. That's what courageous presence looks like in the world. And since God is God and God was God, God continued to be God and God released Daniel from the lions. He didn't get killed because of his integrity. um, So you know that Jane and I spent some time away from the church this summer on sabbatical. And people keep asking me, what was the most amazing? What was the most amazing? You know, what's the greatest food you ate? What's the best coffee? You know, all that stuff. I don't know. I can't even sort through all that. But probably a moment in the sabbatical that had the most, most spiritual impact on me was this. And, I, and, I, and I'll explain it as best I can, but I don't even, it's not done in me yet. You know what I mean? So I'll just share it with you and we'll work it out. Okay. We were in Cambridge, England. I have relatives who live there. And we were staying with my aunt and uncle. And we were just walking through Cambridge. It's a beautiful city. It's ancient. It's, it's, it's just all sorts of amazing stuff. Jane and I were just walking through the streets. And Jane was looking at something in the street. There's a little market. And I was just wandering around. And I love churches. So I just basically walk into every church I can find. So I said to Jane, I'm going to walk in that church over there. Didn't know anything about it. I walk in. The name of the church is St. Edward King and Martyr. I don't know who it was. I didn't know anything. I just walk into the church. And I'm looking around the church, and I'm just seeing, you know, the history of the church. 
And I find out that the pulpit that I'm looking at, and then, of course, touched, the pulpit was a place where the English reformers in 1525 to 1550 preached the gospel. They say that St. Edward, King, and Martyr was probably the first church in England that had an openly evangelical sermon preached after the Protestant Reformation. So Luther, 1517, we're going to celebrate that in 500 years in a couple of weeks. So about 10 years after Luther, these guys, Cranmer and Latimer and Ridley and Barnes and Bilney, these five guys and many more, brought the message of the Reformation to England. You know, the message of the Reformation, hey, the people of God need the word of God in their own language so they can understand it and take it in. And Jesus is the ultimate, not all this religious stuff. And I'm not here to bash Catholics. It's not about that. But the, the, the Reformation brought back the pearl of great price to the people of God, the gospel. And these men in this church, 1525 Christmas Eve, Thomas Bilney preaches this message openly evangelical. And for it, he is put to death from this pulpit. And I'm just... I just I I touched it and I just I was moved, you know, I'm a preacher, right? So and I love history and I just I didn't know what I thought was gonna happen. Maybe an angel or my tongue would be on fire or something, you know. I just was moved and I walked out of the church just kind of feeling a little trembly. I saw Jane, Jane said, I'm gonna go back to to your aunt and uncles and I said, I, I think I need to go back in that church. I walked back in the church. And on my way in, there's a guy sitting out, older gentleman sitting outside in the garden outside the church. And he looks at me and he says, would you like a cup of tea? (laughs) What? (laughs) My introverted self immediately thinks, I don't want a cup of tea. And then something inside, you know, stirred. I said, I'd love a cup of tea. I'm on sabbatical. What else am I going to do? So Jeffrey, who's the treasurer of, and sort of the caretaker of the church, walks me back to the little kitchen and he makes me a cup of tea. And he said, I saw that you were crying. And I, he said, this, is, this was his reason for calling me in. He said, I thought maybe you needed to hear about Jesus. Oh. I said, I guess I did. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm on sabbatical and I just walked into this church and and it just stirred me, you know, and I, I just said the history here. And so he just started to tell me the history. He told me about Bilney and Barnes and Latimer and Ridley and Cranmer, Thomas Cranmer. I mean, he created the Book of Common Prayer. Millions of people around the world still use these prayers from 500 years ago. He preached from this pulpit. And I was just so struck by the fact that these men, 500 years ago, these men were willing to, to speak the truth and then let God be God. They were willing to to stand up courageously, ask hard questions of people who had the authority to kill them and then let God be God and then live in integrity. So much so that each of those men were burned at the stake. And then let God be God. And I just I just thought, I want that. (laughs) You know. Forget the eloquence of the preacher. Forget the, the, the notoriety of history. I want the courage to be able to stand up and speak and act and ask and then let God be God. It changed history. 
The, the, I'd never heard this quote before. So Jeffrey, the treasurer, who's just sitting there, we're having tea and biscuits. And I'm crying. He said, here's the famous quote when Ridley, uh, Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer were being burned at the stake. Hugh Latimer says to Nicholas Ridley, they're in their 60s. He says, be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. In other words, like, don't worry. Let's be courageous here. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. What he was saying was, we're burning, our bodies are burning, but this will be a candle. And it changed the world. The Reformation hit England, Wesley, Whitefield. I mean, these, these, these people changed the world. Millions of souls came into heaven. Millions of people knew God and displayed strength and took action because these men allowed themselves, encouraged to live in integrity and be burned at the stake. I thought, I want that. And I want the people in my church to have that. And I want the, the Christians in Indianapolis to have that type of courage to do the right thing no matter what and then let God be God I was we were just walking out and we had finished our time together and and I looked back at the altar kind of one last look and there was a candle burning and he said the reason I keep that candle burning is just to remind every person who walks in here of that courage we will light such a candle by God's grace in England as will never be put out now I'll tell you, if you know Jesus, he's in you, you are that candle here today. Let's stand. Ministry team, will you come forward? Some people need to respond today. I don't want you to respond in emotion of, wow. I want you to respond with the courage today. Because God's prompted you in some way you need to ask a hard question out in the world. Or you need to speak a hard truth with humility and love out in the world. Or you need to take an action with integrity out in the world and then just let God be God. Let's pray. God, you do not need our permission to be you. It's a figure of speech. But Lord, we want you to be yourself in our lives in every way, shape, and form you want to. Holy Spirit, come. Point us to those questions that need to be asked. That truth that needs to be spoken in humility and with love. Those actions that need to be taken because it's who we are in the world. And then God, show yourself to be God in our lives and through our lives. If the Holy Spirit is moving you in any way, you sense it, you feel it, and you want someone to come in to pray for you, just come forward. If you just need to come forward and be before God, you can do that without having someone pray for you. But I urge you, don't leave today without opening your heart to that type of courage to ask, to speak, and to act. For Jesus' sake, amen.